This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 610 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Eco Gold, and Total Saddle Fit. On tonight's show, we've got newly USDF certified instructor Bill McMullen. And then we are joined by Reese's current assistant, Sarah Turry, talking about riding the first level test. To finish, Reese and I have a trainer tip. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. Hey, Reese. I was just thinking this will be the last recording that we're doing while you're in Loxahatchee. I know. Next next month, when we do our first show, it'll be back to Georgetown, Kentucky. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It like season is almost over. I actually show, uh, have actually quite a big show tomorrow morning and Saturday morning. Uh, we're recording on, on a Thursday night. So I have a selection trial for the festival of champions tomorrow. So we still have a little bit of unfinished business here. Uh, but it's really, I mean, it's amazing. The season seems, it just, it's like over. I, I, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like maybe we fell into routine and then, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great season. Uh, we just had a really good show last weekend. Follow me who big Mike, who we talk about on the podcast. Well, we've talked about him from the beginning. He did his first intermediate one. Uh, so that was fun. It's, I think I I do try and, and feels really good about this, but I try to take a moment and, and like, Hey, cool. You know, it's fun to take a horse and sort of develop them through the levels. Uh, and did a credible I won 65 and 66 had a couple mistakes and they weren't the same each day, uh, which is okay. He got a little bit tired by Saturday. Uh, you know, he went to the show on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. So by the time Saturday, we were running out of engine for sure. And he made some uncharacteristic mistakes in the changes, which are usually his highlight. But I was so proud of him. That was really, really cool. And just to take a moment to, to you know, give him a pat and, and to move up the levels. That was really fun. We have definitely some more work to do, you know, to get him stronger and, and to be able to do sort of two days in a row. But uh, really proud of him. And uh, then I had a very good freestyle on, on Bingo, my Grand Prix horse. Actually, my highest, my highest score. So 76% at, at the freestyle, the Grand Prix freestyle. So congratulations. My, yeah, yeah, that one that's was a good that one. one. That's got to feel pretty good. good. Yeah, that one felt really good. And it was just one of those, you know, we, we've talked about freestyles and we actually are going to talk a little bit more about freestyles coming up shortly, but freestyles take a long time to develop and uh, to be able to, I mean, it's a probably started seven, eight months ago, kind of talking about it. And so then to be able to sort of go through the whole process and um, it was good. We took bingo. He had never been to the facility down the street. He He's really comfortable at global now. We've, he's shown there a lot in the last uh, four months. So he, he gets off the trailer. That's where we show tomorrow. And he's like, well, oh, no big deal. This is, this is sort of home. Uh, but this was a new facility. So it was good to sort of go and, um, to ha- feel them, you know, hear that they get really kind of excited with the music. So at first I was like, Oh, I hope I can stop. <laughs> but <he laughs> so, was, sometimes they really blare that music too. You yeah. Know? And, oh, he really, 
<laughs> I was like, they, oh, they boy. They want to make sure the judges can hear it, you know? Yeah. Oh, we heard it. <laughs> so, uh, but it was really fun. And and just to be able to sort of do that. And, and right now, uh, I think this will carry on this year, but there's sort of no spectators. So there's not a lot of people around. And I think, I don't know how Canada will be, Phil, this year, but it's kind of nice to show. And there's, there's not a huge crowd right now. You know, there were some people that stayed that were already at the horse show that stopped and watched, but it's kind of nice to be able to show and not have a lot of pressure. And especially when you have a new horse. So that was, that was really fun. It was a beautiful evening. And my coach Scott Hassler was there and, and Sarah Turi, who will be on the show. They were there and, and Ashley ran. So my team was there uh, and it was just a really special, special time. So uh, I really enjoyed last weekend. That was sort of you know, sometimes again, to kind of take a moment to, to celebrate is always important. I think in horses, cause we all know there's a lot of times you can't celebrate, um, and heartbreaking and all the things. So, uh, it's been a great season. I can't say I'm looking forward to the drive home and the packing, but I, I also really love going home. Uh, Kentucky's just beautiful in the spring and all the foals, uh, the thoroughbreds are all being born and it's really lovely to be back home. So, uh, we'll be ready. We'll be ready for a little break. Uh, all of us will be ready for a little, uh, break and it'll be nice, but it's been a good season for sure. Well, isn't, isn't that wonderful? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it can't all go perfect, but if you can, you know, we wish you luck. And if you can finish on a high note, that would yeah. be awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and if not, if the, you know, there could be weather, there could be all kinds of things. <laughs> we know, know that, uh, ho- horses are very humbling, but I know that, uh, you know, you, you, you don't stay long in the dregs and, and you, and you, you work hard and, and, and you just go, you know, you continue on to the next horse show. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's, that's the key, right? And I say this for most riders, right? I think everybody, you don't post the, necessarily the bad stuff on Facebook. Uh, you know, obviously you post the good stuff. Um, I can't say that this season there hasn't, I mean, there's been challenges for sure. And I think there is in every season with every horse and, you, I think having a really good team around you to help you and to lean on when you need them, you know, I think is important. And I think it is, but I think the whole social media is important to remember. You only really post the good things. You don't, people oh, yeah. don't. I mean, I, yeah, I, I always get the thing like, you know, if you're, if you're looking at Facebook, everybody's life seems so perfect and right. that, that can be a little bit damaging to your own ego or, or yeah. if you're not having a good day, it's probably not a good idea to jump onto no. Facebook and try and, no. and, and try to, you know, pick yourself up because I think that's kind of, I yeah. think that's not healthy mentally. No, I don't, I don't either. And especially like when you're down here, everything, everybody is sort of crafting their own message. And, and I, I like, I, I more say that because, you know, we have had a very good season and, and Phil knows like it's not been without its own challenges and its own bumps in the road. And, um, I think that's really important to remember as you're sort of developing horses and de- developing, I develop riders as well. And, you know, it's, it's not always easy. And in Florida, it is so amazing to be here. It, it really is. And it never, a, a day goes by that I think, wow, you know, I, I'm so honored and privileged to be here, but it is, it is a hard season. It's not, it's long, it's hard. Uh, it's very intense. We did get, we did get to a little bit of time off for the first time on Saturday or Sunday. We, we did ride a little tiki hut around the intercoastal. It's really fun, but in general, you work very hard here. And so you get to go home and you're like, Oh, you get to go home and have a little break. But I think that's, I, I, I really did want to mention that because, uh, I think if the Florida season from up North, it looks all amazing and all perfect. This year has been challenging. It's been challenging with COVID. It's been challenging, uh, the, with the EHV one, it 
that did not turn out to be a huge outbreak, partly because everyone was very on top of it and very, it was very taken very seriously here. Uh, but that could have been really bad. So um, there has been a lot of challenges and I, I really give the thumbs up to the organizers here because it has been difficult that way down here this year. And, you know, there's not the normal, uh, you know, normally Phil comes. I, I always enjoy Phil's here usually a week uh, and I really enjoy having him here and it's our time to sort of hang out and talk horses and, and, and get the season. Um, that hasn't happened. And a lot of the social functions that's, I mean, it hasn't happened at all. So I think everyone really did take COVID pretty seriously here in Wellington. I think we all wanted to, you know, train our horses and, and compete. And so it has been a bit of a different season this year. And, and there were a lot of people that weren't able to join us. And I think we all sort of recognize that. So, you know, I like to mention it because yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a good message. It's a good message, yeah. you know, for, for people who want to be there that can't be or, or, right. you know, all kinds of different situations are happening all over the world. And, um, you know, social, social, I don't think social media has really helped in any way in, no. in, in those things, but I mean, we want to cheer you on, you know, thank you for keeping us updated and, and yeah. doing your posts and, you know, <laughs> but, uh, there's two sides to, you know, there's two sides to every story. So just for remember. sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And I think that that's always good. And I'm, I'm pretty positive person and, and like to, to have positive and, but you know, Phil, Phil gets the, sometimes, I mean, I have a very good team and Phil's very much part of my team. And so there's a lot of times I'm calling because I'm like, Oh my gosh. But, uh, in general, I truly, this has been one of my favorite seasons. Uh, it's been the quietest season. My husband was here. So life was pretty normal. Like I would work out and I would come home and have dinner and hang out with my husband. And then, start the whole thing again, but it, it will be nice to be home. And, uh, I look forward to that. And I, I, I look forward to hanging out with Phil sometime, hopefully this summer. So, uh, but it was, it was a milestone weekend this weekend. And, and I try not to let those go by and everyone on the show has been fun because they've, they've known big Mike. So that was a big one. So got a little time at I one, but hopefully we'll be pushing, you know, again to the I two Grand Prix here. Not soon. That'll be a while, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Takes time. That'll time. be time. That's got a little yeah. time, but we'll we'll take the we'll take the move up for sure. But we've got a great show. I hope everyone's looking forward to it. We're gonna have a quick commercial break from our favorite Kentucky performance products and come back with Bill McMullen. This nutrition minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Researchers have confirmed that as horses age, they naturally become less sensitive to insulin and more susceptible to health problems caused by too much sugar in the diet. One way to reduce the sugar content in a horse's diet is to replace sugar-laden grains with a high-fat supplement. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It is readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of sugary grains. Equijule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. Best of all, Equijule allows owners to easily replace the calories previously supplied by sugary grains. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. 
Well, tonight, I am so honored and happy to have Bill McMullen on the show. He is the newest or one of the newest FEI USDF certified instructor. He is also an S judge, and we are honored to have him. Bill, congratulations on your certification. Thank you so much, Reese, and thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. We are going to have a great discussion. We were talking a little bit off air uh, with the three of us about just starting this program, right? This is not a a quick process. So you also are a faculty member and test a lot of young people and or starting instructors. So I think it's a great discussion to sort of talk about, you know, how was your journey? How would you recommend people to continue their journey? So I'll let you get started. Of course. I mean, it's a very comprehensive program that really is, is trying to encourage to, to get our whole industry on a on a better standard and scale in this country, uh, starting with the lower levels. And we have workshops now starting with training in first level and then second level, fourth level, and the FEI, the new FEI that uh, has started in the last few years. I started myself in the certification in the early 90s, which was, uh, I think about 1990 was probably the first round of certification that they did through second level. And I think I was in 92, so I was probably in the second or third group that went through then. Uh, so I've been part of the program for, a, that's a long time, <laughs> I hate to think how many years. Um, and uh, and then I did the uh, fourth level certification in 1999. And then after that, I did become faculty. And there have a couple different levels of faculty also in terms of what what level workshops that you can run and so on. So I, I now can run all the workshops through the, the, the fourth level. And anyway, but I encourage people, uh, anybody that really is, is serious about teaching and, and training to, to get involved in the program. And, uh, you know, especially for young people and young riders that are wanting to, to come along and the competition these days is so difficult, I think, compared to what it was, uh, you know, even when I was that, that there's so many more opportunities out there and so on. But I think for the, the people to get involved, and it's an education process, too. It's not just a testing. I think that's what people have to realize. There's a lot of education, a lot of networking to go on in the program, even starting at the lower level. The people that you meet through this, you really will learn from and share from through, as you grow through the program. So it really is uh, beneficial. Yeah. No, for sure. And and we can see that with, with the young people that are that are coming through. So Talk, talk to people about how, if they have questions on how they get started, how do they do that? I mean, all the information is available online from the USDF site, of course, uh, and Kathy Robertson and Alex Belton there are super helpful at getting everything started and, and looking to see if there's a program in your area. It starts with by uh, participating in workshops. We have workshops uh, and there's three parts. We have, lun- we have teaching, riding, and lunging workshops, and uh, then the testing it, you get through the workshops and uh, recommended to go on to the testing. Then the testing involves all three of those areas, of course, also at the appropriate level. And it is possible. Uh, I mean, they people can test. The re- workshops aren't necessarily required, but they're really strongly suggested because it gets mm-hmm. you in the program and in the uh, the right lingo of, of the program using the training scale and so on as, as everything is based on uh, to in order to progress through the levels. So everybody has the same foundation. But the learning that goes on through that, and uh, sometimes we even have they have pre-certs also, a pre-certification exam, which would be a little bit like a mock testing, which people can go through. And it depends on somebody's level of confidence and where they are uh, to be able to, you know, and how they test uh, as well to if they need to practice that and before they go on to the actual exam. So, Bill, uh, I'm just wondering, like, how how would people find out 
if there's a workshop in their area or how do they maybe organize a workshop? What's the process there? It, it's all, uh, like I said, all available online on the USDF website for sure that will list if you if you go in under education and find uh, the workshops, it can tell you where, when, when there are workshops and exams being held. And also your local GMO is able to, should be able to have access to information and might be running a program as well. Um, if somebody wants to run a program, I think that information is there too, to apply to on running and putting a program together. And, and if there are people that are and, you know, we encourage people to want to do that because that's very helpful. The more the more places we have to offer the program and the workshops, the, the better. So people don't have to travel so far. And and I love how you say that this is really a lifelong process. And I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before how it is important that young people potentially get this program started or if there is one in your area, right? Because there there has been some discussion that at some point a certification will be required, that it, it's we don't know yeah. anything about it, right? Other than it no, has been no, mentioned. Nothing, yeah. Right. It, it's certainly nothing official or whatever, but it certainly has been in discussion. And if you think about other other um, sports and um, occupations, whatever in this country that you have to that you cannot practice unless you are licensed for, it makes sense that somewhere down the road that it would be required in our industry too, from uh, just like I said, from a good standard base of education to safety and knowledge and bringing everybody along in the right way. So it, it may happen. It may be somewhere down the road, but I think in terms of preparing for that to be ahead of the game, especially, again, going back to the young <laughs> the young trainers especially, uh, they want to really take advantage of being in a program now and getting ahead of the game so they are certified and not then somewhere down the road feeling that they're pressured that they have to do it in a certain deadline <laughs> or amount of time mm-hmm. because it's going to be required that you can't just hang up your shingle and teach just because. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're really lucky to have you on today because you're also a, a certified judge, as uh, Reese mentioned in, in your intro. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of the difference between the two programs and, you know, maybe somebody thinking, yep. you know, do I want, do I, you know, for their future, do I want to teach some or do I want to judge some, you know, um, give right. us a basis. Right. I mean, as Reese would attest to, I mean, wearing wearing many different hats in this business is, is usually essential to really making it yeah, work. Yeah. So um, <laughs> not required, I mean, we can make it, but, but to, to wear different hats is, is certainly very helpful to, to make a comprehensive uh, overview of the business. But, um, you know, but the judging, as far as the education goes, the certification program and the judges programs, and I think I overlap them or you know, like one year we do certification and then another year to like the L program and then graduating to the next level and the next level. And and both programs really complement each other. They totally complement each other. The L education program in our country is, is fantastic. And and a lot of the knowledge from that is also used, of course, you know, it t- ties in with our certification program too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage people from the judging, if, if you, even if you don't have interest in becoming a judge to uh, to attend part of the, uh, the sections of the L program that are able to be audited even just for, for any rider, anybody that's interested in education and, and better themselves on the horse and especially if they want to become instructors and then if they do want to go on to be a judge they will find out more through that too but or the just, to, or just to figure out how to get better scores yeah just just yeah, in general exactly right and know and, and understand right. how, where the scores come from why you know what what is the methodology in, in the scoring and so on if they're a competitor uh, it can be very helpful and uh, they can help improve uh, their perception of how to how to present themselves in the ring and, and what is looked for for sure but 
going back to comparing the programs and so on, one thing is the Alper or the the judging program. Someone that wants to judge, even say if they're a top level, accomplished trainer, you know, well known, et cetera, they really have to go through the judges program starting at the very bottom, going through the L program uh, to get the foundation and really learn about the whole all the steps for judging. Said so even if they're a top level, older accomplished person and go through all the steps from the L program to the small R to the large R and to the S program. Whereas the trainer program, straighter trainer certification program, again, we're encouraging, especially the younger ones, again, to go through the the beginning program and get that baseline of knowledge, but they are working toward and having uh, a, a plan where where, mass, where where there are trainers that, that uh, accomplished trainers that can go and just do the testing for the FEI. If they if they meet certain qualifications, they can do the testing for the FEI and not necessarily go through all the lower levels of the program. In other words, if they've proven themselves in a certain way and uh, meet these qualifications, they may be able to do that and test at the do the FEI workshops and test at the FEI without doing the other levels. Because there's a little difference if you look at, you know, from judging versus training. It's a little right. different uh, education process. Right, right. And just kind of in closing, tell us kind of your thoughts on preparing for the FEI exam, because that one's a little bit different, right? I mean, it's the same system, essentially, in terms of that mm-hmm. we, had, you know, we attended the work, we attended workshops. Uh, we don't have the lunging part, but we definitely had the riding and the teaching part was the main thing. And uh, we worked closely with the, uh, with the workshop leaders and examiners from Lilo 4, helped us in some of the workshops uh, beforehand to be more prepared and, you know, and what their demands are or what their expectations are, I guess is what I should say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how to present uh, the, the lessons and, and the riding of the horses, of the different horses that we have to present to them. Right. And you still, you so, still have to ride an unfamiliar horse. You ride yeah, a familiar exactly. horse, an unfamiliar horse. You teach mm-hmm. um, a couple lessons, uh, and then there's a exactly. written and an, and an oral yeah. exam. A very um, in, a fairly intensive written exam uh, with essays and then uh, the oral exam. We were lucky we had a, a small group. There were three of us that tested in this last group and three examiners. Right, <laughs> So right. Uh, as far as our oral exam was really the, the all six of us sitting together and, and, and a really great question and answer discussion is what it turned into. And it was, uh, it was, it was a very, it was a great process. Great. Fantastic. And again, well, even through the, even through the exam, I mean, there's even, you know, I said there was a lot of learning and I mean, I feel privileged mm-hmm. to be there with, with Lilo four and, and Gribbins and Kathy Connolly. It was really, it really was a privilege. And like I said, even though we were being, exa- we were, the students were being in yeah. the exam, I really felt like there was still a lot of learning going on and sharing with each other and so on. It was really a great process. Fantastic. Well, we are so honored to have you on and to have you share kind of all your thoughts on the two programs because they really are great programs and and fantastic education that, like you said, it's not a quick process to do this and you really do need to have time. And, you know, again, you have to, there is some monetary, I mean, there are some grant monies out there, uh, but this is not a quick process. And you have to know that just like any, any, uh, like you said, uh, any profession, this is the certification process and, and, and it is a process. So um, right. we're so thankful that you, you shared it with us. And, and how could our listeners find you online if they're either in the Massachusetts or the West Palm Beach area? Uh, we have our website, warrenmcmullendressage.com. And Fent- also on Facebook, I have a Warren McMullen Dressage page and Bill McMullen Facebook page also. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And we can't wait to, to reach out. We can't wait to have you back on the show. All right. Thanks so much, Reese. Appreciate it. And now a quick word from EcoGold Saddle Pads. No slipping, no sliding, no problem. EcoGold Secure Saddle Pads are engineered to keep the horse's back comfortable while keeping the saddle in place for a safe, competitive ride. They have impact protection through the seat and the ultra-thin flaps provide the rider with better communication and a more stable riding position. Available in both English and Western styles, shop the entire collection at ecogold.ca. Well, tonight, I am so happy to have on the show my wonderful assistant, Sarah Turi. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, poor thing. She got rid of me for like an hour and here she is back on the show. But uh, I can't, I'm really happy to have you. And uh, Sarah, I wanted you to tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself. Perfect. So I grew up, you know, riding in Tennessee, uh, just like a backyard barn type situation. Um, moved to Iowa and got into hunter jumpers. That's where most of my background is. Did the equitation. I went to McClay finals and then decided to switch to eventing. At that point, I was in school at University of Kentucky, where I met Reese as my professor. I took a few lessons from you, Reese, I think, before mm-hmm. um started working for you last May. And I've uh, really tried to strengthen my dressage since then. I have my own horse. He's an off-the-track thoroughbred. I've tried to develop him from his first ride off the track. And um, and then I'm also riding a client horse. Uh, Tori is her barn name. Victory Fan Sansucci is her show name, owned by a wonderful client of ours, Shannon Caparella. And I'm trying to get my bronze medal scores with her. And we've been working through first level this season in Florida. And yeah. Um, yeah. And it's been great. I mean, first of all, we, we absolutely adore Sarah's off the track thoroughbred. He is so cool. And he's one of those thoroughbreds you look at and you're like, oh my gosh, like this horse has FEI potential. He's amazing. So we're developing him, but Sarah's kind of tasked this year uh, while we've been in Florida, we came uh, early December, right, Sarah? And, Mm -hmm. um, we uh, really took over the ride of Tori once we got here to, in Florida. Her owner hasn't been able to join us due to COVID concerns. And um, so that was, she was wonderful and said, yeah, you absolutely. I want you to really use my mare uh, for Sarah to uh, get get started showing, right, Sarah? Because you had never done a recognized dressage show, right? I have never done a recognized dressage show. I've only done eventing dressage and it is very different. Yeah, it is. And you've been thrown <laughs> in the deep end. I mean, yeah. now Sarah is really good. She She's even, even a phenomenal CDI groom, which is like a, a, a whole different ball game. Uh, so there's been yeah, lots of learning. Deep end. Yeah, that was the real deep end for sure. Um, but you know, with, with Miss Tori, uh, she came in, uh, well, she, we've had her in training since about June, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so tell us a little bit about Tori cause she has her own story. Tori does have her own story. So she is 15 this year, um, but she hasn't shown in about six years. And um, she was doing about first level when she was showing. And Shannon, her owner, was just enjoying her last summer. And then when we got her down here, uh, we really worked on her fitness and um, just getting her to be, you know, a dressage horse again, getting her back to work. 
and it's had its own challenges, but she's been very rewarding. Yeah. She, she so tell us a little bit about her confirmation. Um, cause as, as a, as a Frisian, right. There's some, some big challenges we've had, right. You talked about fitness. Yeah. Fitness is, is still, I mean, she's, it's also hot now, so that's very difficult for her. But so tell us some of the challenges training wise we've had. So yes, yeah, she has a, um, she's very short. So her neck is very short. And, um, so you really can't pull on the reins at all, or all of a sudden her, her neck is right in your face. So you really have to ride her and push her into the bit without really using the reins at all. Um, and she's, she's better turning. So some of the movements in first level, you have to do straight on a straight line, like the transitions. So that's difficult for her. It's easier for her to balance when she's turning, but she's improving every day and we are, we are hard at work with her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So tell us a little bit, um, you know, we've, we've basically started and, and tried to take this in a pretty systematical approach for you, just, just as we are developing her and for, for Tori sort of getting back into, so we got her, you know, really back into work in December, in December, we really focused on training level, right? Just sort of what were the, mm-hmm. at, at each level or each test of the level, right? So we tried not to skip anything, right? That's been kind of right. a focus, right? Yeah. So, so we did a schooling show in January at training level, just, you know, just back to the basics. Can we try and, and canter a circle nicely? And then, and then at the first recognized show, we did first level test one. So we had the the teardrop half circles, and then we added in like a 15 meter canter circle. And um, that's probably the hardest for her is the lengthening her stride in the trot and canter. And then there's just more canter as you get up the levels. So that's been a challenge with her fitness as well. And then we added in the leg yielding, which was quite a challenge at first, but she is has picked that up pretty well. And then in test three, we had to do the change of lead through trot and then the, the counter canter loops, um, which she's actually quite good at the counter canter loops because she doesn't have a very good lead change. So she doesn't try to <laughs> change her lead. So she just canters right on through the loop on the same lead. So that's actually a, a movement that she's, she's quite good at. Um, right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and as we've gone through, so, so we're very lucky here in our neighborhood because you can walk to the horse show. Um, Tori thinks it's a very long walk. It's about a, a mile, half a mile down, half a mile back. The back sometimes takes a little bit longer, but that's part of the fitness too, right? We had to, we had to mm-hmm. get organized to do the, to do the fitness of the walk. And then, um, she actually was quite wild. <laughs> the first horse show, we, she yeah, hadn't been to a horse time. show, right? Yeah. She hadn't been to yeah, a horse she- show in six years. Yeah. So that was a challenge that we had to work through and she wasn't not, she wasn't bad per se, but you know, she needed to get back in the groove. Uh, and Sarah's very good and confident taking horses to, to different locations. She's very confident rider. So once we sort of got there and and we started the first level, um, tell us about sort of the leg yields and how we sort of introduced those. So with the leg yields at first, she was really like not understanding at all. And in, uh, first level test two is when they first come up and you go from the center line over. It's a very, it's a very gentle meander over to the rail as Reese says. And, mm-hmm. um, so we, we had to walk and then leg yield. And during that pick up the trot and that really got 
through her head that she needed to trot and go sideways at the same time. Yeah, because she's sort of that Frisian sort of Baroque type horse. So there's a lot of body there to, to sort of organize. <laughs> crossover and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they was, kind of, yeah I, you know, in 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 my experience, that they kind of are really good at going trotting in straight lines. But as soon as you kind of introduce the sideways and forward, they just get they get a little bit confused and and they mm-hmm. can fuss yeah. and you know whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really like that idea of you know doing the leg yield you know as a transitional you know within transitions, start and walk, push the horse over, see if you can you know, go to trot and add a little sideways to your, to your trot as, as you're, you're going through and not worrying about how powerful the trot is, but just, you've got, you got to introduce the idea in a really relaxed way and, uh, and, and make sure the horse is accepting the leg, you know, accepting the inside leg as, as a sideways driver as well. And not just a, a forward, a forward aid. So yeah, that, yeah. that was a mm-hmm. good tip. Yeah. It's a good yeah. tip. She likes to, um, bend her, her neck way to like, if we're like yielding to the right, she bends her head way to the left. So it's easier to get her straight at the walk and then go over and cause the straightness and the rhythm were the most important. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're right. And, and again, we try to be pretty systematical in how we presented her at the horse show. And, mm-hmm. and it, things, things happen a little bit quicker here in Florida because like the shows come every two weeks or so. Um, so we, we maybe had a little bit of hurried timeline, but we also felt like if we went in a systematical approach, we did training level test one. And when we felt like the horse show went well, uh, then we would introduce the next one tra- first level test two. And then if we felt like she could do that. Then we went to first level test three. Um, but we really tried not to sort of skip any steps. And, um, so Sarah got her bronze medal scores right off the bat. The first weekend she was done with the bronze medal scores for first level, which was the goal, but then it became the goal of sort of developing this horse. And again, she had shown, but it was six years ago. So it's a long time ago. So sort of developing her strength and her fitness and all that, all that. But I think that was one thing that we really tried to be um, pretty systematic about, but also not overface Sarah, because that would have, I think, overfaced her. And there were days where it was hard, but it was like, okay, come on. I think we're ready for this. And so Sarah sort of, what's the plan now moving forward as we go home, we actually go home next week. So, uh, what's, what's the plan with Tori for the next couple of weeks? Well, we're trying to, to start training the second level test one movements. Um, so the, the shoulder in, and there's a lot of canner in second level test one. So that'll be a big fitness challenge for her, for sure. So just, I feel, I feel some hills. I feel some Kentucky feel hills, some hills coming. Yeah. Coming. I think Sarah and Tori may be, may be hitting some hills for that because that's now, you know, obviously here in Florida, it's quite where we are. It's very flat. So, um, so really going home and, and being able to sort of developing those carrying muscles, I think will be the next step we're, we get to, we get to pump the brakes a little on the horse showing and hopefully she'll be able, you know, we'll be ready by June uh, to do mm-hmm. the second level. That's a big jump now. Um, but it, it was also jump. Yeah, it was also a big jump when we when we came. So, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, again, a, a nice systematical approach. And Sarah's done a great job developing her, and and she has another one coming along as well. That um, so tell us, you know, you've been working with Tori. 
uh, who is a Frisian, and then uh, your he's a rock star. He, his, it, we call him rock star. Park, you know, he's wonderful. Rockstar Parking is his name. And he's amazing. So what have you taken sort of as you've ridden Tori and you're developing your own horse? What what are some things that you can take away from a Frisian to a thoroughbred? So I actually, even though they're like complete opposite horses when you look at them, I I have been, you know, I'll ride the, the movements with Tori and then I'll go ride the exact same movements with him. He's kind of at the the same stage in his training where he needs to kind of take my hand. And so, you know, like pushing her from her inside leg to my outside rein is a big thing that I've also carried over to him. Um, and just the, the straightness and, um, and the connection. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, what's fun when you get to ride multiple horses or if you have two Mm -hmm. horses or you can ride a friend's horse or whatever, being able to sort of take what you learn on one and transfer it to another one is, is phenomenal. So it's, I think it's really helped you and, and also developing a younger horse, uh, as you've gone through the levels. So, yeah, well, you wouldn't think you could take a lot from a, from a 15 hand Frisian and apply <laughs> to a 17 hand thoroughbred, but I, I have been able to a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really fun. And, and plus Sarah, I have to, I have to just give you a huge shout out. Sarah's just been a wonderful uh, companion and partner here. She is really an amazing, uh, we call her her nanny to, to the big horses. She's, she's been able to go and learn a lot down here and, and bingo adores her. My big horse just loves Sarah. She's, <laughs> she's huge shout out. Cause that's, that's a big thing as well. So, well, Sarah, we can't thank you enough for your time tonight. And I'm so proud of you and all you've accomplished this season and uh, look forward to those second level. You'll have to come back on and tell Tell us how the second level goes. I will. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. Well, Phil, this week I got to order some more stability stirrup leathers, which was so cool. But I will tell you, I just switched to regular stirrup leathers just for a couple days because they're just in the order. It had to come. I don't know. I, I ordered it and I had, they had a couple days to come. And I will tell you, not very often is there a piece of equipment where you take it off and then you realize, wow, I, that actually makes my leg more stable. And I will tell you, 100%, when I switch back to the regular, just thin stirrup leathers, I could not wait. Well, actually, I, I had to stop riding, go back in and change the stirrup leathers to the one pair I had. And it was huge. So I thought that was really cool. I wanted to share that with everybody. That the total well, it's just, yeah, it's just something that uh, that you and I have gotten used to, and you, mm-hmm. now now you're in you're in the space where you take it for granted. Yes, and, for sure. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're you're you know you switch to a saddle or you switch out of the out of the stirrup leathers, and and you notice a difference, and you're like, what yep. the heck is going on here? I can't ride anymore, and and now, I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, it's now a necessary piece of your. <laughs> It's a necessary piece. Yeah, I couldn't ride without them. I was like, wow, my lower leg is so, I mean, it really stabilizes. And it makes sense because when you look back at the regular stirrup leathers and see how much thinner they are. So I'm just going to say that to everybody. Truly, if you have an an ability to try a friend's or just try the stability stirrup leathers. There's a money back guarantee. There's a money back guarantee from Justin at Total Saddle Fit. And they're really cool. They're really worth it. I, I, you know, again, Phil and I really always talk about something we really, truly use. That's really important for us when we endorse a product and have it on our show. But I happen, like I said, just to switch them and uh, uh-uh, nope, not doing that again. I switched them back, back right ever, away. Ever again. Yeah. 
No, they really make a huge difference and you really feel it when you don't have them. And, and so again, Justin at Total Saddle Fit has awesome products from girths to the stability stirrup leathers. So visit totalsaddlefit.com and you can see all his great products. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. So, Phil, for our total saddle fit tip of the week, I've got one for us. Okay. Okay. I'm 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 waiting. You're waiting. Okay. Ready? <laughs> All right. So today I was teaching a lesson, and and sometimes you know I'll, I'll I'll literally talk to my Siri and say, oh, this is my saddle fit, my tip, total saddle fit tip of the week. But I think it's really important to remember their phases of a transition, and transitions don't just happen. And this happened today in the lesson. My rider, I said, we were starting to just get the horse put together a little bit. This is a horse that's doing third level and he's older though. So he needs a little bit of time to, to warm the engine up. And we were just starting with some walk halts and I kind of set her up for this debacle, uh, but on purpose, uh, cause again, we weren't going fast and nothing was going to happen, but she was walking and the walk wasn't a good walk, right? I watched it. The horse was disconnected. He was hanging on the reins. There was, she was a little bit forward, a little bit casual. And I asked her to halt and she, what did she do? Like everyone, she pulled on the reins and the horse got stiff and threw his head up. And I said to her, I said, did you prepare for that transition? And she was like, nope, (laughs) (laughs) straight up. And I said, well, remember that every transition needs to be done from a quality, whatever you're doing. Let's say in this case, you were walking. The walk needs to be quality. Then you need to prepare the halt transition by sitting tall, sitting level on your seat bones, your your legs are level, and you need to ride a proper half halt into the halt transition. Then the horse needs to stand. They need to be round. They need to not pull. And then you need to sit tall and prepare for the transition out. So there's a preparation going in. There's the transition and there's preparation going out. And without all of those levels of preparation, it doesn't work. The transition is a, is a flop basically. I, I've so, seen, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was a little bit mean of you and, and I do the same thing. I was doing it as a like, point. Okay. Though. Yeah. You know, the students kind of ambling around, you know, not really connected. And so you kind of, you set her up to fail. I did for but sure. In, in, a, in a nice way, you're trying yeah. to prove a point. Correct. And, and the point is, is that from the time that you put your leg over the horse, you are training the horse. Doesn't yeah. matter if you're not thinking about it. You're, you're, you're still training the horse, right? You, you train them to be lazy and, and kind of disconnected from what they're doing because you're, you know, just going along and disconnected from, from what you're doing. And so your, your instructor kind of sees this happening and goes, you know what? I need to prove a point here because... Rider's not focused, horse not focused, you, you know, there's nothing good going to come from this. So you kind of, you, you say, you say to them, do a halt transition or do, do a trot transition, whatever. And as a student, you should kind of wake up at that point to say, you know what, there's a point going to be proven here. I'm going to, I'm going to try and connect to my horse and, and do this transition well. So, you know, if there, if there's a, a tip to the student is like, 
be aware that that your instructor is is noticing what's going on and is trying to get you to 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 wake up a little bit and and to think about you know being focused on what you're doing and and you know just yeah. because we're mean just because that's what we like to do <laughs> well i was proving a point because that point also came in later, it became sort of the theme of the lesson because this particular rider has some anxiety going into canter. Her horse um, can be a little bit naughty going into canter. And so my point was how important the trot work is. So taking that from that particular transition and then taking it front to your trot to canter transition on how the horse needs to be prepared in the trot before you ask for canter. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, it, it starts from having a vision for what for, and this is a Robert Dover thing, but having a vision for what you're, you know, you, you want, you want to picture the perfect canter transition or halt transition, whatever the transition is. And then at least you have an idea of what you'd like it to be. And then you go through the steps of, of what your horse needs to, to be able to do that. So, yes. um, you know, at canter, you have to kind of get the idea of it, then, okay, your idea includes a little bit of inside bend. Okay. And it, and it includes, uh, maybe a little bit more energy in your trot. So the horse is a little bit, you know, more forward going or forward thinking. So they're, you know, they're getting ready to canter. And then, and then you should just, there's a, you know, we talk about timing and, and, and moments and, and, and all of those great things. And then, and then you ask, no, it doesn't mean it's going to happen perfect, perfectly, but if you are preparing correctly, you kind of have an idea of why it didn't work. So yes. then you come back to Tron and you do it again. Yes. And then, you know, maybe, maybe something different happens and, and you say, okay, you know, and you assess and then you do it again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's being a little bit uh, ahead of the moment and then in the moment and then assess the moment, you know, afterwards. It's, yeah. It's very hard to do. I mean, it's, it requires so much focus and so much, you know, um, going, going back and forth between, between preparing, doing, assessing, preparing, doing, assessing, you know, all, all, all the way through your ride through every moment, because like I said, you're always training. So either you're going to, you know, you're training towards the right idea or you're, you're not, you're, you're teaching the horse bad habits and, and bad things. So, right. Right. Yeah. So I think it's just important to remember that. Like I said, I, I set my student up for, for that to fail a little bit, but I, the point was I wanted that to carry through, through all the transitions she rode. And so that there was preparation and in, in the thought of the preparation. Yeah. Lo- the yeah. Lo- yeah. It was just like thoughtfulness of, of your riding thoughtfulness right. of, of, you know, how do I, how do I make my horse better? And preparation is probably, you know, kind of number one, right? I mean, yes. Yes. If you just start throwing the things at the horse, then then your ride goes very very poorly. <laughs> yeah. um, with, with, without a, you know a focus and a thoughtfulness about each thing that you do and and how you want to improve your horse's balance or improve his reaction time or you know all all kinds of things yeah. go into that. But yeah, sure. don't don't leave him guessing. Don't leave him guessing. It doesn't work well. It doesn't work well. Well, fantastic. Well, that was a great tip. Thanks, yeah, great Mel. Tip. That was that yeah. was good. Yeah, it was good. Good. Good lesson today. Well, as always, everybody, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. Remember, we have a book club book going on. We're, we're going to enjoy going through it. And in April, uh, we will have an auditor come on the program. But remember, it is How Two Minds Meet, The Mental Dynamics of Dressage by Beth Baumert. 
You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is through Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Eco Gold, and Total Saddle Fit. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. Enjoy the show next week, and we can't wait to talk to you in April.